Hey, everybody, and welcome to Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network presents Marking Out the Days Weekend Warrior Edition. I'm one half of the hosting squad, Kobe Nida, and as always, I am joined with the other half of the hosting squad, the other half of the retrosexuals, the other half of Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network, Dave Rosenbluth. Dave, what's going on, buddy? What's up, man? What's up? Uh, ready to rock and roll, as they like to say. Uh, a lot of fun doing this uh, nostalgic trip for Saturday morning or Saturday evening wrestling, I should say. And uh, yeah, l- l- let's get or. into it, man. Yeah. Whatever's yeah. your cup of tea, morning, night. Yeah, we're Doesn't actually matter. on the month of May right now in this new format for Marking Out the Days. We've been covering the weekend wars between WWF superstars and WCW Saturday night. So if you're new to the show, thanks for joining us. Yeah, yeah, we would like we've, you know, for those of you out there new on the, uh, the the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network stream over on Podbean, um, we've been kind of altering the format a little bit, and we've decided to uh, tighten it up, and by doing so, we are covering WWF Superstars and WCW Saturday Night, and just kind of comparing both shows and seeing which company had the best show on that particular day. Both of those yeah. shows are currently on the WWE Network right now covering the majority of 1992, so we kind of go head-to-head. We began on April the 25th. If you're looking for backlog archives of that, the last two episodes of our Weekend Warriors edition, you can find that over at the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network on Podbean right this second because we are on episode three, covering May the... Ninth, Second. yes, May ninth, ninth. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, we're covering May the ninth. Yeah, we can't even get our dates right. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, co- covering May the ninth, and uh, yeah, so this it's we're taking it through 1992, a year where, at least in our opinions, we feel that 1992 was still riding that wave on the Golden Age era. And it was yeah. probably the last year of that golden age era. A lot of people like to say 92 sucked. Well, your opinions don't matter. So <laughs> yeah. 1992, we, 1992 was, kinda, I think, a pretty good year. Yeah, definitely. And we kind of discussed that on the podcast. Um, and we've also touched about how it's kind of the precursor to the origin of Attitude, the uh, the real origin of Attitude. Because uh, we got some crazy storylines going on, and we'll run it down as we go by in the weeks. Um, yeah. Interesting stuff, huh? Yeah, no, absolutely. Like we've said, in the, like we said in the first marking out the days weekend warriors episode one, uh, this was you know we saw a lot of building blocks on both sides of the of the equation between WWF and WCW and certain guys that were going to really break out of the pack and some guys that you didn't think really stood a chance of being a part of the future of wrestling. They you see the early stages of them. So I mean, it's it's definitely a lot of fun to go back and look and be like, damn. I didn't think that guy was going to be a big deal, but he turned out to be a big dealer. Damn, I really thought that guy was going to do something, and look what happened to him. Like, you know, so it's it's definitely yeah, been a damn, lot of fun. Damn, that guy used to act black. Uh, oh, God. Oh, yeah, that's we'll right. Get we will get that. into that shortly, yeah. We will get into that shortly, for sure. If you guys have been checking out our social uh, media, I think you'll understand what Kobe meant by that. But, yeah. Wow. Yeah, and if you have been checking out our social media, uh, you can join in the poll that's still going on. Your your choice. Take your take your pick. WWF Superstars or WCW Saturday Night. Um, you guys make the choice of what you guys think is going on right now. Dave and I have picked WCW Saturday Night, the first episode, and then we had a stalemate. Uh, I picked Superstars last week. He picks uh, Saturday Night last week. Yes, so. that is correct. 
we will see where we're at with this week. But before we get into the day of May 9th, 1992, let's run down what's going on at, over at Kicking Out at 2 in the home of Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. All right, man. Thank you very much. Over at Kicking Out at 2, last week we covered uh, WCW Spring Stampede 1997. We had a little watch party. My buddy Dennis uh, joined me, and we sat down, and we watched that event and basically discussed um, all things WCW in the year 1997 between Cruiserweight Wrestling, the NWO storyline, the rise of Diamond Dallas Page, women's wrestling, the short-lived experiment of women's wrestling, and the women's division in 1997 in WCW. Cover all that and so much more. You can find that over in the archive. Archives at SoundCloud.com as well as the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network over on Podbean, Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher. You can find that show over there and watch Spring Stampede with us on the WWE Network on Kicking Out at Two. And this week we got a pretty fun show. We we have a pretty fun show planned as. Um, we're going to be talking you into the seats, so to speak, and we're going to discuss the. <laughs> we're, we're, yeah, exactly. That's, that's pretty catchy. Um, we should make a song out of that. But um, yeah. anyhow, um, the, uh, the 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 talk show format in the world of professional wrestling: Piper's Pit, the Funeral Parlor, the Barber Shop, the Heartbreak Hotel, Flair for the Gold. All these memorable and iconic talk shows, and how important the talk show concept was to some of the most crucial storylines in the history of professional wrestling. My cousin Bill Brown joined me and we had a lot of fun sitting down talking about talk shows, the good and the bad moments and uh, how they really were an important staple of wrestling back in the eighties and into the early nineties and talking about the evolution of that concept as well. Uh, and then next week, next week we're going to the movies. So get your popcorn, your ticket stub, your candy, have it all ready as we're going to, uh, we're, we're going to present you squared circle cinemas my brother daryl joined me with a list of movies that involved pro wrestlers we're going to run down this list of movies that he's watched and we're going to rate these wrestlers performances from jesse ventura roddy piper hulk hogan the rock um, all the big names in wrestling are going to be a part of this list and like you said we're going to be rating their performances in these respective movies and uh don't worry we'll probably do a part two because i'm sure there's going to be some wrestlers and movies that don't make this list and you're going to complain about it like most wrestling fans do on the internet, but we'll probably have a part two for you. So that's next week's squared circle cinemas. And uh, yeah, that's what's going on in the Very world cool. of kicking out at two. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash kicking out at two, as well as on Twitter. Our handle is at kicking out two K I C K N O U T and the number two Kobe. Very, tell us what's going cool. on in the world of the retro mania pro wrestling podcast network. Well, before I do that, I just want to say that's very cool. I like the uh, the movie idea. Uh, Mohol Radio, one of our other homes here for Retromania, they, uh, the movie guys, movie the podcast, they run down. Every Easter they do WWE Easter, um, and it's wrestling-related movies or WWE studio release movies. But this year we kind of switched it up as I was a guest, and we watched Braxis. Have you ever heard of Braxis? Uh, no, I have not. Who was in that? It's with Jesse the Body Ventura. It is <laughs> the worst movie. It is one of, like, you just gotta watch it for the sheer, like, sake of it. It's on Amazon Prime. Uh, Freezo's on Amazon Prime, if you want to watch that, if you have Amazon Prime. Braxis, everybody. It was like Braxis, 90, okay. I think it was 92, honestly, to be honest really? with you. This movie okay. is terrible. 
But uh, yeah, you see some fine acting by Jesse the Body. <laughs> that's, that so is maybe you really and your brother can check that out one day. Yeah, yeah. It's funny because like I when when him and I were uh, were, were discussing this, and I had just said, "Give me a list of movies that you've watched that involved wrestlers," and and you know. And, and just write the list down, and we'll take it from there. And when I looked at his notes before we hit record, I was like, holy shit, he's got, like, the name, the date, the year the movie came out, the character that the guy played in the movie, and then we just kind of basically, cool. like, gave you, like, a rating approval. Not a Dave <laughs> Meltzer star rating, but, you know, we, we, we tried to go in between one and five stars on this individual's performance as this particular character. So, um, yeah, yeah it, it was, was definitely a, Dave a lot Meltzer of fun. review. Yeah, if it was a Dave Meltzer review, you guys would be like, "Well, you know, he he he, he was he, he he was scheduled for the uh, the role, but you know, some some of the lines got cut. Some of the stuff changes along the way. I guess <laughs> they changed their mind. And if the movie was filmed in Tokyo at the Tokyo Dome, then it would have gotten seven and oh, a half stars. Seven stars. Yeah, seven stars. Yeah, fuck Dave Meltzer. Um, <laughs> um so. Yeah, I I look forward to listening to that one. You can catch that all on Kicking Out at Two, the plugs that he plugged, and over on Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. Speaking of our network, we are dropping a new Hulkamania is Dead coming up in the next week or so, but you're going to get the backlog of Gaijin Wrestling Radio Match of the Month. So you'll get February, March, April, and May. Wow, that's a lot. Um but yeah, it'll be spaced out throughout May. So, you know, catching up with everybody on Gaijin Wrestling Radio. That's where we profile a special match from New Japan, All Japan, NXT, ROH, anything of the past, foreign to WWE. And we kind of give you a little backlog and maybe watch the match or just uh, run it down. But uh, yeah, a little fun podcast there to give you insight into other stuff that's not so WWE centric. Um, so, yeah. That is, that is always on Podbean, and you can find us on any podcast app by searching Retromania with a W. You can find us on Facebook, joining the community. Like we said, we have a poll. We share funny videos and clips all the time. Uh, at Retromania with a W on Facebook. You can write to us at RetromaniaPodcast at gmail.com, and you can find us on Twitter at RetromaniaPod. And oh, by the way. Sorry yes. to cut you off. You just no, brought it up. I'm done. There was a poll. Oh, okay. Well, the, you mentioned it. There was a poll on your page. I forgot to mention, we have a poll over on our Facebook and Twitter on Kicking Out It Too. Um, last week, we did a poll wanting to see I what voted. would you guys... Yes, you. I saw that. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Last week, we did a poll on the Facebook covering what would you want to watch in a special watch party episode on May the 29th on Kicking Out It Too. And the choices were... The Steamboat Flare Wrestle War 89 main event, which we're going to be approaching the 30th anniversary of that. If I, I think we're actually at the 30th anniversary. I want to say maybe today even. Maybe. I could be wrong. Possibly. Anyhow, very possible. Um, have to double check. Um, as a matter of fact, let me do that right now. <laughs> but anyhow... Um, <laughs> Yeah, we had you could vote for that, or you could vote for WCW Capital Combat 1990 with an appearance by RoboCop. However, most of our fans voted for the Flair Steamboat Victory uh, Wrestle War '89 <laughs> main event. They became the victor. One, two, three. End of discussion. So that's part one of the poll. Part two of the poll on Facebook because 
Facebook doesn't let you have four choices. They only give you two. So I yeah. had to stretch this poll out a little bit because Facebook was just being Facebook. Um, and this week, we have a poll up for the second half of this watch party. You could vote to watch ECW Hardcore Heaven 1999 or WCW Slamboree 1999 from the month of May. Mm. The winner of that poll is then going to meet the winner, the Ric Flair, Ricky Steamboat, Wrestle War 89 main event to determine what watch party we're going to have on May the 29th over on Kicking Out at 2. So vote in the poll, facebook.com forward slash Kicking Out at 2, our Twitter handle at Kicking Out 2, and vote either ECW Hardcore Heaven 99 or WCW Slambury 1999. So, so folks, if you want to get political, these are the primaries right now. Uh, <laughs> you you yeah, need right. to fucking vote for the one that you at least want to see if you want to see it go to the end, you know? Uh, yeah. And if it's not there, don't bitch at us. You didn't vote. Um, exactly. It's the way it works. Exactly. <laughs> now, if there's something that, you know, I'm going to get deeper into it now. If there's something that you don't want to watch that's there, you know, and you, you don't want to vote either way, then that's your choice. You know, go to another country. I don't know. Or say right. you're going to go to another country and then don't go to that country, but then still complain about the country that you live in. I'm still working on leaving this country, Dave. All right. <laughs> <laughs> don't bring it up, man. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah, so let's, let's get this. Let's get this back on track. Let's get back into the real day, uh, May night. Uh, let's go to the birthdays because we have no death days. This is the That's squared. Awesome. I'd like to call this segment for here on out the squared circle of life. That's, you know what? I like that. That's that's a fucking t-shirt right there, man. We got to make that into a t-shirt. The square, the squared circle of life. <laughs> and he moves off the top rope. And he flies Fun. in the air. Fun fact, we're going to have to do, we're going to have to do like, uh, research for african language because the real lyrics are uh which which translates to it's a lion it's a lion so uh, we're or, gonna have to find or we could just it's or a we can come up with our own yeah or we can come up with our own version it's like ladies and gentlemen <laughs> one fall to a finish no disqualification. <laughs> no count out. Holy shit. Last man here. standing to the count of ten. Oh, ah. Hey, now ring the bell, referee. <laughs> ring the goddamn bell. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Holy shit. Wow, wow we, went, we went off, man. Or I went off, I should say. Right. Shit. Squared circle before of life, we get, I fucking love yeah. it. Before we get into the squared circle of life and everything, let's talk about the uh, interesting stuff that's been going on with Vice Land documentaries because we've talked about the other two. You and I watched the other one recently, The Von Erics. Yeah, yeah, that was a pretty good one. Um, I mean, it's nothing that, in my opinion, like, I've watched the the WWE version of the world-class documentary, which I thought was pretty good. Um, mm -hmm. I think they did it justice. I've watched the – before the, that one came out, I purchased the Heroes of World Class documentary that High Spots put out. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen that one before. That one is – that one is really good. 
that one talks more about Gino Hernandez's death than the one in WWE. WWE did. Um, they don't. WWE kind of glossed over Gino passing away. This one on high spots is called. It hey, wasn't of one of my class. guys. Yeah, um, Heroes of World Class was uh, was better in my opinion. It was much better than um, than the uh, the um, the WWE Tragic. version. They even bring up they even bring up uh, Brody's murder um, f- from Gary Hart's account and the stories that he's heard and David Manning, um, who was a referee and he was one of the bookers for World Class. Uh, but yeah, the the Von Eric one. It's nothing that we haven't heard before. The stories surrounding um, the, uh, the 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 you know the, the the kids' passings and the way that they've passed. Um, some people never knew the story that Fritz pulled a gun out on Kevin, but Kevin revealed that in the Heroes of World Class documentary that I've seen before on High Spot. So I've heard that story. Um, and in his book, I think. Yeah, I think. Yeah, you're right. I think he did write it, that make talk about that story in his book. Um, yeah, I mean, I thought it was pretty well done, and you know, man. For first of all, Kevin Von Erich, the way that he kind of phrases his life, how he was lucky to have mm. four brothers, and didn't look at it as like, yeah, of course he's sad that they're all gone, but he was lucky to have four brothers that like, and he's pulled through, and I'm sure he goes through it on you know on a daily basis. You know, I'm sure that there's there's parts of that that part of his past that come up and he deals with that internally and struggles with that. I'm sure of it. Everyone does. You're human. Uh, but man, I got to give the guy credit. But, Holy but you don't have the guts enough to kill yourself. Yeah. But dad, Oh, <laughs> I was just trying, I was going to try yeah. and do my best Kevin Von Eric, but you know, <laughs> dad, you tell me something. I was just, I was just, I'm just lucky to be alive. <laughs> That's a good one. Damn, on fire number two. Holy cow! Look at that. But yeah, anyhow. Yeah, um, it was it was it was nothing that we hadn't seen before, like you said. Uh, yeah. But I think they did a, a a good job pacing some of the story at the beginning. But then all of a sudden, it it seemed like it just flash forwarded to me. You yeah. know, it was just this one dies. The this one dies. Yeah. This yeah. one dies. This one dies. It's like it's like boom, oh boom, shit. Boom, boom. <laughs> yeah. When in in reality it didn't really happen like that. I mean, yes, there were no, tragedies and accidents. Yes, but yeah, it was spaced out. I wish that they, I wish that they would have talked a little bit more about David Von Erich's death because I, I there's still a mystery behind that in my opinion. Well, like, Kevin gave up the goods right there. He said yes, yes, it was it was related to taking, yeah, but it was also related to them taking pills. Yeah, he didn't lie yeah, about I mean, it. Yeah, no, no, I'm not saying that he did, but I mean, there's everyone's got their different opinions. I don't know. I just felt like, like the, the story that Brody, you know, hid everything when he got into the room mm-hmm. and like dumped the dumped the pills and all that other shit. Like, yep. you know, I don't know. I just that part of it. I guess maybe I wanted a little more explanation on, and then I wasn't satisfied with what I got. But other than that, I thought you know, I think these Viceland documentaries have been fantastic. And I don't know if you saw recently on the kicking out at two social media, but. Um, yep. I, I posted an article. They were in the middle of producing a Dino Bravo episode regarding the mystery surrounding Dino Bravo's murder. Um, and they're about 70, they have about 75% of that finished. And if they get renewed for a season two, that's going to be the first episode of season two because Very they cool. were in the, yeah. And you, you've heard about the, the stuff oh, with yeah. Dino. 
ever since I was a child. Uh, That was another one that was like, that stuck with me. That's a a wrestling memory, knowing that story as a child. Um, Yeah. I don't know where I heard it or saw it or read it, I guess. Uh, I was reading it in the Wrestling Observer, I think, when I was a kid. They used to come out with like those wrestling almanacs yearly. Yep. So yeah, I, I remember get those. like the 95, 96, 97 edition, you know, keep up. But, they actually uh, yeah. posted it in an aftermag. Okay. So. Yeah. So and it might like, have been would, something like that. That's where I saw it when I was a kid in the grocery store. And it was like Dino Bravo died. And it was like they showed like a picture, like a, a recent picture of, of Dino Bravo before he died. He had black hair, jet black hair. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. He, he In the 80s, when he first came in, he was black hair. Yeah, which I which I didn't know um, at that time as a kid, but yeah. So if they do a season two, it looks like um, Dino the Dino Bravo story is going to get talked about, which which is very fascinating for me. I, I, cool. I was always fascinated behind the the mystery surrounding his death. Yeah, uh, just what like about the, the mystery? One too. What about the mystery of him trying to lift that weight and Jesse helping him? Yeah, that yeah <laughs> I yeah maybe Viceland touches upon that. Maybe they interview. Well, well, no, Frenchie Martin just passed away oh, recently. Uh, so, yeah, they can't interview him. But it's a conspiracy. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, yeah, yeah, they're going to have a Gino. The dumbbell. <laughs> exactly. They're going to yeah. have a Gino one. Um, yeah, I can't wait for the rest of this season to, to pop up. Gino and Mula, I think, close it out. Spoiler awesome. alert, Gino's awesome. probably aired after or right before we've dropped this show. But yes. Whatever. Yes. So... But it's all good. And, oh, yeah. And, and by the way, um, the 30th anniversary of the Flair Steamboat Wrestle War 89 main event would have been two days ago. Oh, man. So two days wow. ago, May the 7th. Wow. Yeah. Huh. So um, that that is that for the plugging and little bit of banter at the beginning. Let's get into this day officially. Let's do the squared circle of life. Uh, cue that damn beautiful song again. <laughs> you really want me to? No, kidding. <laughs> I'll I mean, record it. We'll make it yeah, a thing. Yeah, we'll get into it. We can. Let's work on it together. Yeah. Uh, wrestlers who oh, were man. born on this day. 1957, Thursday, May 9th. Mike Shaw, everybody. Mike Shaw. Otherwise Mike known Shaw. as Bastion Booger. Otherwise known as Norman the Lunatic and otherwise known as Makam Singh from Dude. the Calgary Stampede Territory. Yes, very, very, very much so a big uh, influential, like hard-hitting wrestler for a big guy uh, back in the day. You wouldn't think of it looking at Bastion Booger, Friar Ferguson, or uh, you know Man Mountain Mike or Norman the Lunatic. Those are kind of like enhancement jobbery gimmicks, but uh, Makam Man Mountain, Man Mountain Rock, Nor- Man Man Mountain Mike, Man Mountain Mike. Who the fuck's Man Mountain Mike? That that was another name that he went by, uh, just In like what, what, just like Man Mountain Chris, who uh, uh, was was fucking King Kong Bundy. Remember when he first appeared? He oh, later yeah, transitioned. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. guys who are okay. huge like that, they like to call themselves Man Mountain for some reason. Interesting. Okay. Just like names like Steamboat, like we talked about last week, they kind of transition to wrestlers and <laughs> yeah. gimmicks, and yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, Mike Shaw, 
better, otherwise known for like I guess his most influential gimmick was Makut Singh um, in the Calgary Stampede territory, like you said. Yeah, I didn't know who. I my first introduction to Mike Shaw was when he was Norman the Lunatic in uh, in WCW in the uh, the really early nineties. I was eighty nine or nineteen ninety, I believe, was the first time I ever saw Mike Shaw. And then, um, you know, before there was ever like internet, and before there was ever like Google and all that other shit. Um, and I kind of talked about this when I recently recorded a, um, a special Owen Hart episode that's going to air. Um, later this month on kicking out at two, I was talking about Ooh, like um, exclusive. I was talking, about, yeah, yeah. It's we're gonna do a tribute show. Um, Justin and I recorded it recently, but in regards to Mike Shaw, he was one of those guys that like it was before like like I said it was before internet and like I could tell he was someone else. Like he was familiar. I've seen him wrestle before, right. and that's how I felt about Owen Hart when he was the Blue Blazer. I didn't know Owen Hart was the Blue Blazer until he was Owen Hart. And I would be like, wait a minute, he does the same move as the Blue Blazer. Wait a minute, he's got the same look as the Blue Blazer with that mask, like the nose and the and the, the eyes. And I was like, wait a minute, I think that was Owen Hart. And I couldn't put my finger on it until they confirmed it was Owen Hart not long after that. But Mike Shaw was the same thing. When he became Bastion Booger, I was like, yeah. wait a minute, I've seen him before. Where the hell is he from? And I couldn't figure it out. And then years later... When there was internet, and it was revealed that he was Norman the Lunatic, and I was like, oh. So, it was, I mean, I had to have the internet help me then, but back in the day, yeah. like, he was one of those few guys where I, like, tried to – that was like when Repo Man, when Demolition Smash became Repo Man. Like, as a kid, oh, yeah. I was like I, – I, I was like, who is that? That reminds me of someone. I don't know who that is, but – yeah, that, that, or that when was Kane my... was introduced and everyone was like, "That used to be Glenn Jacobs or you know DDS." Oh, Isaac Yankum, yeah, yep. um, yeah, yeah. Or when Bray Wyatt was introduced and they started chanting Husky Harris because Ooh, the yeah. because the like fans are fucking stupid. Times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, back to but... those days of like searching the internet of like, remember the one where it would tell you like wrestlers who were related. Do you remember that one? Um, I, mean, I remember there was, there was a couple ones like that. It would just give you information of like the real names and like the relations of wrestlers. Now, you know, what? I don't remember that particular site. Um, I'm sure I've seen something like that before, but I just don't have a recollection of it at the moment. I do remember seeing a I was a kid. I got this at like a book fair. Um I had all the P.O. box addresses for all the WWF wrestlers. So at the time as a kid, I didn't know that they they was all like Stamford, Connecticut or Norwalk, Connecticut or Danbury. And there was like these P.O. boxes. And I don't know. I don't know if they all lived in Connecticut in these homes or if they were just P.O. boxes. But they were like these addresses and I could write them all letters. So like I would circle like who I wanted to write a letter to and I'd write a letter. I wrote a letter to Bret Hart once. I wrote a letter to Hulk Hogan. I wrote a letter to Macho Man. I wrote a letter to, to, um, to, to Vince McMahon once. Like, you know, there was all these different addresses that I used to, I I got it out of a book at a book fair at school, but yeah, we're really going off topic, but yeah, anyhow, Bastion Booger, Mike Shaw. No, 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 that's cool. That's, that's cool. Bastion Booger, Mike Shaw. He had had matches against uh, Brian Pillman. 
in 89. Yes. Then he teamed with Hawk and Animal in 1990 for NWA Capital Combat to go against Bam Bam Bigelow, Cactus Jack, and Kevin Sullivan. What a fucking match. <laughs> yeah, I saw actually I saw that match recently. It wasn't yeah, it was a it was a pretty fun little opener. Then Bastion Booger in uh like the 90 92 93 run um going against the likes of, you know, 123 Kid, uh, Brooklyn Brawler, you know, Mike Corey, my my buddy. Um huh. yeah. Just stuff like that. Uh but yeah, passed away September 11th, 2010. He was not involved in the Towers folks, but uh, years later, he yeah he um the last time he was on TV he was a part of the Raw 15th anniversary in okay. uh, in uh, 2007 he did a like a it was it was just like a quick cameo in the ring it was like it was like a bunch of misfit wrestlers that they brought back wow. and um, yeah one, one of his last down a little go ahead no he slimmed down a little I think he even grew some hair mm. um and uh, he had hair before know, as the lunatic and market city. Yeah. And then he shaved it when he was um, the booger character. But yeah, Mike Shaw. But Mike a lot Shaw. of people have credited him as being like one of the underrated big men and, and a guy that doesn't get enough credit for his contributions. Definitely. Um, you know what I mean? And, and someone that like, I remember JR once in like a round table on the WWE network said like, you know, Mike Shaw was like a very underrated big man. Like he, he said, he kind of, he kind of, compared him to vader in many ways like a very like a like mm. a like you know in terms of like his ability in the ring and the way he moved around and you know his 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 timing he kind of compared him to vader i thought that was very interesting but um yeah mike shaw that is that is may he rest in peace yes happy birthday rest in peace all of the above it's the squared circle of life let's get into this day my my brother Let's That's start right. off early morning, 10 o'clock, you said, usually? 10, 11, something like that, give or take. Who knows? Yeah. Who gives a shit? Who knows? Vince McMahon. <laughs> uh, WWF superstars, just in time for Mother's Day. Vince, and to help pay tribute to mom, Mr. Perfect. What? How does Mr. Perfect Kurt Henning help pay tribute to mom? He's easy yeah, on the eyes. Yeah, I didn't get that one either. Maybe. Yeah. Coming out first, the first match on WWF Superstars. One of 12 children salute his mom. God damn, yeah, salute his mom. Brett the Hitman Hart against the German Von Kruis, who's Big Vito from WCW later in the 1999, 2000 era. Yep, he was also the, um, he also, he was also had a run in ECW too as, uh, uh, Skull Von Crush or something like that. Hmm. Uh, I want to say he was in ECW first, then he went to WCW, and then eventually they brought him into WWE as a part of the FBI, um, and he did that whole thing with the dress and all that good stuff. Yeah. And yeah, was he Johnny the Bull or Big Vito? Am I mixed? No, he was Big Vito. Yeah, he was Big Vito. Johnny the Bull is a different guy. Uh, well, Brett gives a lucky young man a pair of glasses, and Vince says. You can bet his mom will be impressed. I, I doubt that very highly. Uh, <laughs> mom, I got Brett the Hitman Hart's plastic glasses. Thanks, honey. These are a piece of shit. You're lucky if I don't throw them away. Picture-in-picture, uh, picture, Marty... I'm sorry. Picture-in-picture, picture, Shawn Michaels with Sherry Martell calling out Bret Hart 
and they're going to come after that Intercontinental title. But this is a very quick match. Sharpshooter and uh, the young Von Kruss taps out. The Intercontinental Champion wins here. Yeah, it was pretty quick. I mean, like, very it was quick. so quick you, you blinked and it was over. I was surprised, but yeah. yeah. Sometimes they were like that on this episode. I don't know if they edited the, the matches down or not, but uh, yeah, very quick. Then we go to update with Mean Gene. And he recalls Bulldog and Repo Man from Wrestling Challenge last week. There's a ref bump in the match. Repo grabs his rope and hook, which you would usually have to hook up a car, I guess, if you were an old school towing guy. And he chokes Bulldog and hangs him. Oh my god, this is vicious for 1992 time, huh? Yeah, and like, when you look closely at it, he looked like he was really choking. Like, his face was purple. Like, I was like, holy shit. That's just because Bulldog was smoking crack. Fuck you. Yeah. Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, Bulldog <laughs> has a promo after about uh, Repo Man, and he's never going to be tied down again. Okay. All right. We'll see where this goes. Building up these guys. Then we have Sonny Blaze against, wait, Dr. Harvey Whippleman. He says, from the dark continent of Africa. Ugh. And into the bright lights of WWF, led to the ring by Kim Chi, the mighty Kamala. Wow. Kamala's here, everybody. Kamala smashes the back of Sonny Blaze, and he tries to pin his back. Hey, guess who are, uh, already did that, like, years later? One of the Funkadactyls. But she didn't do that at oh, all. Oh, God, purpose. yeah. Oh, I remember that, yeah. So they have to direct Kamala how to pin him, and he finally turns him over. Sonny Blaze, one, two, three. Kamala wins. Yikes. Sonny Blaze, I thought at first glance, looked like the cake boss. (laughs) Like, like he looked like he was ready to bake a fucking four-foot birthday cake. Instead, he probably got got eaten like a fucking four-foot birthday cake by Kamala in this match. But, um... I found it interesting because, like, a few weeks prior, Harvey Whippleman was on TV with Sid, and I didn't know he was, you know, doing stuff with Kamala. I'm wondering if this was right around the time when Sid failed the drug test and left the company. Yeah, I think we're kind of working out the kinks, yeah. It's it's weird, these TV tapings, yeah. It's interesting stuff. Um, Continuing on with this racist episode of WWF Superstars. El Matador goes against Bob Bradley. That's right, Bob Bradley from D.C., who was also Bob the Cat Bradley from WCCW time, 1987, marking out the days. Hmm? Yeah, Yeah, he, um, Bob Bradley looks like he forgot his knee pads at the truck stop on 684 in Brewster, New York. Um, I was like, what the fuck? Yeah, like, at the time, like, when I was a kid, if you didn't wear knee pads, like, I knew you weren't special. Like most of the guys wore knee pads. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I just thought I I, I looked at it and I was like, go for it. No, go go ahead. No, I was just saying, I looked at it and I was like, holy shit. Like for real, like 
You're not wearing knee pads, dude? Like, I don't know. I just thought, like, I, everyone wore knee pads. Everyone had wrist tape. You know what I mean? Like, back then when I was a kid, like, yeah. that's what made you look like a wrestler, you know? So that, that just kind of struck it's me. It's not I don't his like typical look. Um, yeah. It's not his typical look. WCCW, he had, like, you know, spandex with cheetah print and knee pads and gear. Oh, nice. And dyed, right. dyed blonde hair. Um, yeah. Okay. He was Very cool. the cat Bradley, Bob the cat Bradley, oh. but yeah. I'll make not, sure not I don't here, watch that. You know? <laughs> the only thing I cared about during I this match he, was the fact. I think he was absorbed by, you know, once the companies folded around this time. Um, yeah. He, he got picked up as an enhancement guy. Yeah. Doesn't surprise me. Um, the only so, thing I'm that sorry, was interesting about this match was that Mr. Perfect read a letter from the convict to the big boss mm-hmm. man, claiming that he's out of jail and he's a free man coming for the big boss man. Just to, just to let all you know, there was no return address on the letter. No, no P.O. box either. Yeah. Um, Tito wins with a flying jalapeno. Um, some, of, some fan in the crowd has an airbrushed Mr. Perfect sweater. Look, this looks like custom done. This is very nice for 1992's sake. I'll try to capture a picture and put it on the Facebook. Um, we go to Event Center with Sean Mooney, and he tosses to the Mountie and talks about um, no one can step in the path of the Mountie. And then we hear from the new team of High Energy. That's Coco Beware and Owen Hart. Still no matching gear for these guys. Poor Frankie. He's like trying to hang on to Coco Beware's shoulder while he's screaming and yelling, tossing his jacket off. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. Yeah. And then we go to LOD doing a ah, happy Mother's Day. And we toss to a match with them going against Tony and Mark. It doesn't fucking matter. Um, LOD win with a doomsday device. One, two, you can count to a hundred, says Vince. <laughs> and Vince the, Mc... the genius read another poem yes he time. did they had a picture and picture would you like me to recite it yes please jack be nimble jack be quick jack watch me suck my own dick <laughs> caught me off guard man that's all good <laughs> he, <laughs> he um Every time he does those like promo things, he like he backs up and like sucks in his cheeks. He's like, mm, "That was fabulous." <laughs> Can you just like, imagine being the parents of him and Macho Man? Like these kids are crazy. One's reciting poetry, the other's fucking like, Tourette syndrome. Yeah, yeah. Like, mom, for Christ's sakes, could you tell Lanny to stop licking his balls at the <laughs> dinner table? Uh-huh? <laughs> Elizabeth's getting freaked out over here. She's only seen one set of nuts, and it's been mine all along. Uh huh. <laughs> There's only one line we want to see, and it's on the table. <sighs> yeah, uh huh. We're having pork loin tonight, not Lanny loin over here, uh huh. Dad, why don't you go in the garage and have a conversation with him about being a man? Oh, God. Vince pimps the WWF magazine covering WrestleMania 8 and a special look at the LOD. And all over this magazine is Hulk Hogan and Randy Macho Man Savage, who would kind of be on their way out the door in the next year or two. You know, kind of pushing them out, kind of phasing them out, 
for this new generation. Um, but still making money off them merchandising those guys. Huh? Yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah. They got no problem accepting the money from those two guys. That's for sure. Yep. Uh, money, Inc. That's Ted DiBiase and IRS. And with Jimmy Hart, cut a promo about being the tag champs. Uh, rare look at the tag team belts right now if you're a belt mark. It's a blue go- globe in the center. These are like... I noticed that, yeah. They they ran with the, that, that version just for a little while. I think the Steiners might have had that version, and then they went back to the originals. Yeah. Um, I don't know what the reason behind that was. I don't know if they needed new belts or... Um, if those belts got lost, I don't I don't know the story behind that, but I remember seeing it like right around that time, like there was a new version of the tag belts, just like you said, with the blue globe and only a couple of teams had it. And then they went back to the original, which I think they need to bring yeah. back now. Fuck those stupid red and blue fucking silver dollar belts that they wear like on TV. Those shit's fucking. So, well, they were pennies now. Now they're fucking like dimes or nickels with red leather or blue leather. Oh, yeah. So they fucking, yep. they fucking suck. My God. Oh, God. Yeah. It's terrible. Um, Paul Bearer here with The Undertaker. And they tell Mr. Fuji and the Berserker that it'll be over if it happens again. That's the confrontation that happened two weeks ago where Berserker nearly stabbed Undertaker in the head. Uh, Undertaker says, your travels have brought you to the gates of hell. I open and close that gate. Rest <laughs> in peace. Okay. Yeah, some uh, some early stuff here. I mean, it's it's just interesting how Undertaker turned face just by being himself still. He never changed, you know? Yeah, it's very rare because, like, you find you find when they when they – you know, it's obvious when you turn a good guy bad, the bad guy has to change a little bit. You know, the the bad guy has to – he can't be what he used to be before. Um, with Undertaker, like you said, like he just I, – I think the people respected his, his, his morals for saving Randy Savage that one time against Jake the Snake Roberts. And then that was just what like – he, like he knew it was the wrong thing to do was for Jake to try and hit a woman with a steel chair, and that, yeah. if there's any change, that's the only thing he changed was like. But at the same time, I guess you could make an argument that he changed a little because a few months prior, him and Jake crashed the reception of Miss Elizabeth and, and Macho Man's wedding after SummerSlam and scared the daylights out of her with that cobra, and yes, but all of a sudden. He's got a conscience now when Jake's going to try and whack her in the face with a chair. So well, I think that's, that's that the fans. The fans turned him is what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, yeah. They just felt the momentum well, so you th- so of the popularity. Okay. So you're, so you're saying that the fans turned him and that's why they went with that. Cause I, I mean, at least from my recollection as a kid that happened, then all of a sudden the people started liking him. I could be mistaken, but okay. What do you, what's your take um, on it? I, 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 I just remember him being like, well, it's the time where the anti-hero was starting to become very popular in American culture. Um, okay. And uh, like you said, Papa Shango, I feared him, but I was into him. Um, Ult- Undertaker, the same thing. These larger-than-life characters that seem supernatural. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, definitely something there to 
to kind of like think about was it the fans was it that turn uh, I'll have to go back and look but yeah. I think I think it I think it was very cool how the fans were just right behind him because they were ready to pick up and like this guy you know I just remember as a kid yeah no I just remember as a kid that like it was I don't know maybe I was maybe I was in my brain I was ingrained to be able to differentiate what a good guy is supposed to represent and what a bad guy is supposed to represent and I when you saw Undertaker his look and Paul Bearer and the whole presentation like it didn't look like a good guy you know what I mean no. like from traditional good guy wrestling standard so to speak so maybe that's where I had a hard time with it when I was younger and I was trying to understand like the, the turn itself and how he became so popular but then like as time went on it just he became undertaker to me and then that was the end I of think it. that's you know what, what it was like, it was that that the fans like really just grasped on to this character it's like wow he's the un, you know like yeah there, there will never be another character like him I don't think. He was kind of, in some ways, I guess you could say, and looking back on it now in hindsight, maybe he was like that, ver like, he was wrestling's version of Batman. You know Fuck what I mean? yeah. Like, Fuck yeah. Like, Batman, Batman was a superhero, and Batman, you know, tried to make sure that, you know, evil didn't prevail, but Batman wasn't the nicest guy either. So, right. maybe The Undertaker, what, now I think about it, yeah, maybe The Undertaker was wrestling's version of Batman at the time. Possibly. Um, we can yeah. get deeper into that. Um, the Dark Knight Rises. Anyhow, <laughs> yeah, let's let's move on with this episode of WWF Superstars. I like just taking little bits and uh, discussing them, breaking them down with you, and hopefully the fans enjoy that as well. Um, yeah, same here. Same here. We have a match between Kato, who is Paul Diamond under a mask, against Crush. Uh, this is Crush's reappearance or re-debut as the new Fanta crush. Fanta, Fanta, don't you want to? Uh, his demolition mix up of his theme is kind of cool, though. It's like it's like demolition with like an Owen Hart little tinge mixed in there. Yeah. I Wasn't bad. No, I thought it was cool. I liked it. Yeah. I like the colors. Like, I was always big on like colorful like looks of guys. Like, we talked I, about this like last the week. The face paint, too. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, like, I just always enjoyed, like, the, 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 the bright colors that popped, you know? That was one of the reasons why I like Randy Savage so much, because he, he had all different kinds of crazy colored outfits. Like, I remember as a kid liking Crush. I wasn't the biggest yep. Crush fan, but I was like, ooh, like, oh, I that's Crush from Demolition. Now he's exactly. just Crush, and yeah, like, it was, yeah, it was pretty cool. Yeah, uh, during this match, Mr. Perfect talks about the nighttime edition of Family Feud coming up. Um, so this is an interesting time in television too, where cable is, uh, advancing, you know, further and further into more homes and, uh, we're getting the family feud coming up. Didn't they also do this around 1992 with WCW at the same time? They did. So this is a little precursor of the Monday night wars. Like we spoke about before, because in 1998, 1999, uh, there was like so much wrestling on TV and like, you know, sharing of uh, TV digest, you know, covers and, uh, you know, nighttime family feud shows like this. So, okay. like we said, this was the precursor of the Attitude Era. 
Yep. Yep. Very much so. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Everyone that was, you know, a big star in wrestling, they were, you know, on other forms of television, but this was probably like we said, 92 was the last real big year of, you know, the, the, the big wave. Mm -hmm. Um, and you wouldn't see, you would see wrestler appearances on different mainstream programs, you know, come few and far between, between 93. And I want to say like 96, 97, maybe. Yep. The dark days, uh, crush wins with a huge, like crushing tackle into the mat. Ugh. One, two, three. And then he helps Kato up and raises his hand afterwards. What a nice guy. Okay. Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll beat your ass and then I'll help you up. Yeah. That sounds like a, sounds like a, a perfect gentleman to me. Uh, then we get a promo from Papa Shango. Curse the living, raise the dead. The warrior's nightmare, the warrior's dread. The living will fall, the dead will rise. And all will ride the whole train. Sorry, no, throwing that in there. <laughs> Papa Shango will live for the Ultimate Warrior's demise. Wow, this is scary because uh, it's like a picture of the Ultimate Warrior on the wall, a ball, a doll burning, fire. Um, pretty good stuff. Not too bad. Cheesy. Yeah. Yes, very cheesy and campy, but not bad at all. No, I like I said, as a kid, like the voodoo aspect of the character kind of grabbed at me and i wouldn't say it was scary and intimidating but like i was like oh like that it's just like it just it got your attention you know and then that visual like with all that fire and everything and yeah it definitely got your attention and you know like i said last week people shit on the papa shango character but man like if you're gonna if you're gonna believe that kane can shoot fire out of the fucking ring posts and and believe that the undertaker <laughs> was really dead because for a long time people used to be like no he's dead like he's a wrestler that he just died but that's why he's unbeatable like i used to have arguments with kids in school and they'd be like the undertaker's really dead well what the fuck's he doing out there then if he's so dead you know what i mean right. like so if you can believe that shit and then think that this Papa Shango stuff is hokey. You need to get the fuck out of here right now. <laughs> yeah, then, that's why I hate most wrestling fans. Know, Honest to God, I, I do. I'm gonna go on a little rant here just for a second here, so you have to excuse me. But there are people out there that want to try and throw their logic and their common sense into why certain things don't work in wrestling. But then similar instances, like I said, like if Undertaker can come out and, and get reincarnated fifty fucking times, get burned in a casket, somebody gets run over by a fucking car, this one gets burned alive. You know, this one they hang him from the top of the fucking ceiling for with a rope. But he can, he, he can still be alive and come out on TV the next night. What the fuck? Like, use yeah. your common sense. You believe all that shit, but you won't believe all this. Like, get the fuck out of here, man. For real. Yep. It's uh, it's ridiculous. Sorry, I had and, to get that off and, my chest. And we'll post we'll post episodes of uh, Hulkamania is dead in other groups on wrestling groups and Facebook just to share it. And um, some people will react like he'll never die. Like it's like whoa. Take a second, read what's going on here. Uh, just, you know. The same people that thought the Ultimate Warrior was fucking dead and the second one came back. Those are those fucking people right Oh, there. we get to see the Idiots. second Ultimate Warrior on this episode. Not. Or we'll or they or they fucking claim that Kerry Von Erich became the second Ultimate Warrior, got a fucking haircut, looks like the little Dutch boy painter, and fa put face paint on and fucking tassels around his arms. That's yeah, what people he just used had to, to tell me when I was a kid. He just had to give the devil his foot. 
Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. He had to sacrifice his foot. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So then, on a podium with Mean Gene, it's Rick the Model Martell in front of fans. Rick tells everybody, he says, if Tatanka wants to face me on his warpath, it'll soon turn to a trail of tears. Very racist. <laughs> Very racist. Yeah. Uh, it looks like his feathers flew the coop. <laughs> right? And you should call yeah. him, you should call him, what is it? Uh, whining Arrow? Yeah. Oh, something like that, yeah. Yeah, they uh, really hit the racial stereotypes in this episode. Yeah, then we get a, a special promo from Sergeant Slaughter. Attention, moms! Have a good Mother's Day! And that's an order! Jesus, just what mothers and women want is a guy mansplaining uh, Mother's Day and to ha- how to take care on that day, right? Yeah. Somebody yelling at him. Yeah. Then we get the main event here. You ready for this one? It's former WWF champion Ric Flair out with Mr. Perfect and his opponent, his opponent, former WWF champion Sergeant Slaughter. It's interesting because... Uh, Former champion and champion and guys who were been around since the late seventies, who've never really you know come in contact one on one that I can remember in this era. Yeah, this was this was a surprise to me. It's funny that you know we watched we watched this episode so we could review it, but WWE Network recently put up a um, a hidden gem of a match between Flair and Slaughter. I think in like eighty five, <laughs> maybe. Or 86, you'll have to go look for it on the network, but I want to say it was from like, I want to say maybe it was from uh, Bill Watts' territory, UWF, mid, uh, Mid-South. I could be mistaken, but there is a video up, there's a there's a matchup on WWE Network right now in the Hidden Gem section, Flair versus Slaughter. Wow. Um, yeah, from the 80s. Um, Might have yeah, to bonus kind of episode that. that. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. Yeah, we could definitely do that at some point. Um, but yeah, I thought this match was pretty solid. Um, you know, it, the, it was the all right. Pre- do you think it was edited? I think it was cut up. Um, really? I think it was longer at the beginning, and okay. they they kind of cut it. You know, um, to where the Mountie comes out. Because it's like, why the fuck does the Mountie come out so quick in this match? Oh, he was there at the beginning. I actually, that's in my notes. I was like, he arrived early at ringside in the match. Yeah. And I was like, what the heck? But I, the, the the one thing that, like, that stands out for me with this match is not the actual match itself. Was the fact that the Mountie had that enormous, like, super shock stick. And, mm. like, when he hit the button, it made, like, the electrocution <laughs> sound. Yeah. Like all the hokiness out of that, like I, that was that was the one thing that like grabbed at me for this match was was that and that fucking enormous shock stick. I thought that was uh, I thought that was pretty interesting. And another thing too, he was a ele- all right for all you wrestling fans that want to throw your common sense out there. Why, <laughs> can you explain how the fucking Sergeant Slaughter is alive after the Mountie electrocuted him with over 110 volts and a super shock stick? According to Vince McMahon, get yourself out of that one. Fucking explain that to me. Yeah. Assholes. Uh, not a bad match. We have Ric Flair be- no. begging for mercy. Uh, oh, God. Oh, God. And Rick and Sarge are battling on the inside. And Ric Flair takes his famous bump over the top rope. But it's it's clearly like these like popped in noises. Like none of the fans are reacting at all. And you can hear Wah! for the crowd noise. Uh, yeah, it's kind of bad, but whatever. 
Flair goes to catapult Sergeant Slaughter into the corner, and he can't. This spot was bad. Uh, Sarge could not fucking get up to catapult himself. So it gets turned into a Boston Crab, and Sergeant Sergeant Slaughter taps out. But it gets uh, broken up into the ropes. And then they fumble. And then uh, Sergeant tells him to swing me into the ropes again. He does the swinging into the ropes. Mr. Perfect distracts the referee as the Mountie gets, gets up and shocks Sergeant Slaughter uh, with that taser, which we talked about, which was very cheesy. One, two, three. Ric Flair just pins him and wins. No finishing move, no nothing. Um, yeah. And the Mounties talking and he says i'm the mountie he's like singing his theme he's had a lot of like catchy themes as a wrestler huh yeah um you know, I, you know the 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 quote the well the, the, the first one with the rougeau brothers we're all yes. american boys all american, all american boys, boys. Yeah. Yes. yeah such a good song <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was pretty catchy. Yeah, and then there was, you know, I'm not the Mountie. I'm handsome. I'm brave. I'm strong. I'm not the Mountie because the genius blew on my dong. <laughs> but, yeah, um, pretty much, yeah, he had some shitty theme music. But I guess that was what, you know, gravitated to uh, the audience. and uh, the or, I'm sorry, that the audience gravitated to. And he had all that heat because he had really shitty theme music. I'd want to boo the guy, too, if he came out to that fucking crap. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it was uh, an end to uh, a brutal little match. I, I would hope that the 85 meeting between Sergeant Slaughter and Ric Flair is a little better than this one. Oh, I, I bet it is. I bet it is for sure. Yeah. Um, let's uh, then we talk about Jimmy Hart and the Nasty Boys going against Brian Breger and Bill Pierce. That's the actual main event. Sorry, but it's really short. Nasty Boys win with an elbow. And then we go to a WWF magazine special. They're going to have a special tribute for the immortal Hulkster. Trying to keep him around. I hope to God he stays around. Don't leave me, Hulk. Don't leave me. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, then we have a promo from the Bushwhackers at the end. Uh, talking about coming for that tag team titles as well. And being in ta- tag team competition. Uh, then Berserker and Mr. Fuji. They say the next time they encounter... Paul Bearer and The Undertaker. It'll be a Viking funeral for The Undertaker. Wow. Watch your head, Undertaker, says the Berserker. Huss, huss, huss. Um, Next week, we're going to have The Ultimate Warrior against one of the Nasty Boys. Hasn't been decided yet, but yeah. They cut a promo. Heads we win, tails we win. You're getting nasty-fied, Daddy-O. Okay. All right. Then The Ultimate Warrior has a promo here, and there is no doubt in my mind that this is The Ultimate Warrior. See, as a child, I thought, hey, could be a dead guy, could be somebody else. No, this is the Ultimate Warrior once you watch this promo. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to get any, into it anymore other than the fact that, you know, it, that, that that was if you if you didn't know that that was the Ultimate Warrior, you thought that that was a different Ultimate Warrior, then you're, you need to get your head checked. <laughs> Uh, all right, that was your episode of WWF Superstars. Let's get into WCW Saturday Night. 
Ready for this one, Dave? Yes, I am. Let's do it, man. All right. We open with a little Sting promo about Sting saying Vader could have been the next WCW champion. I just have a broken rib and I'll be back. Don't give up on me, folks. Don't give up on me. All right. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, Steve. Uh, Welcome to Saturday Night with Missy Hyatt looking extra hot. I like the hair on this episode. She's uh, she's, uh, winking at me, I think. Yeah. She talked or Tom Zink. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> she... Yeah, I heard Tom Zink got all up in them guts oh, nice. while he was there. So, yeah, they should have well, called him. They should have called him the D Man. <laughs> she tosses to Jim Ross. Uh, it's going to be a two out of three falls match for the main event: Barry Windham against Steve, Steve Austin for the TV title. Wow, what a, a rematch here! You know. Yep, from two weeks prior. Yes, uh, Jim welcomes from Alabama, Randy Owen. All right, and here's he's here to pimp the June Jam, which is a little. Um, it's a hillbilly bumpkin festival that they all fucking go to, yeah. and they yeah they 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 all have a, a good old time, and they they fucking drink their drink their their Budweiser beer and they they you know they they talk about NASCAR which stands for non-athletic sports centered around rednecks <laughs> and um and yeah you know so pretty much you know yeah Randy says with, this is yeah. exciting to be here uh I've never been at a taping like this before and Jim Ross looks at him like it's live pal don't fucking say it's taped right now <laughs> but it's taped man uh, they toss to Steve and Barry cutting promos about the main event. Then they go to a commercial and come back, and it looks like they're just in a empty soundstage. It's very quiet. Like, there's no audience noise, no nothing. Like, it's weird right here. Yeah. Sometimes they would do that, like, in between I think those matches. those were, like, edits. Would... Yeah. Yeah, they probably... Yeah, I would I would imagine they probably pre-taped some of that stuff. Um, I'm, I was... In, Going back and watching some of these episodes, I've always been curious how they tape the show, the schedule-wise. You have a live studio audience that sees some of those, like, interviews, okay? Do you do, you do one ma- – and usually the main event is in the studio at the end of the show. So do they do all of that, like, the interviews and the, the segments that are in that, like, studio – and then have the match, and then that consists of one taping, or do they spread out a couple tapings with a few matches? Like I've always been curious yeah. as to how they they structure um, the tapings that way, because the the matches on the show are cutaways and pre tapes, but all the stuff that's taking place in center stage in Atlanta, um, you know, I, don't know, I was always I was just fascinated by like the, how they did that. Very much so myself. Um, I'm always like, what's the timing? Did they do this package together? Did they do these back-to-back? And then whose match was next? And yeah. Um, we talk about the the popularity of WCW with Randy. Jim says, why do you think uh, WCW is so popular right now? Randy's like, well, it's similar to country music. Mm, <laughs> mm, mm, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. You mean maybe, it got, you mean it got bought out fans. by like rich white people that just wanted to dump money into it and then got oversaturated and commercialized like 1999 WCW? Okay, sure. <laughs> that is country music then. All right, yeah. we toss to the Z-Man going against Bob Cook. 
Z-Man will face Brian Pillman for the Light Heavyweight Championship at WrestleWar live on pay-per-view. Man. Um, that's pretty cool. Speaking of polls and stuff, we should throw one up for our special that we are going to do. Um, do the fans want us to watch the entire Wrestle War 1992, or do they want us to watch just the match from Wrestle War 1992? How about that? The main event, yeah. the war games between Sting Squadron and the Dangerous Alliance. Yeah, we'll have to put that up sometime this weekend. Check it out over on uh, the Retromania uh, Facebook as well as our Twitter at Retromania Pod. Yeah. There is a guy in the front row during this episode, TV side. He just has the same expression on his face. He's wearing white sweater with white pants. I took a couple pictures. It's just like, like he just has no expression. And he's like that throughout the entire show. So uh, I will pump some pictures in there. Very (laughs) cool. Uh, Z-Man wins with a big drop kick off the top rope. So now, now, hold on one second. Time out before you go into this. So basically what you're what – are, let's not confuse our listeners here because if you – it sounds like the description of this individual that you are telling us all of, you're illustrating that this man was very bored watching these matches at this taping. So we don't want our listeners to be very bored listening to us as well as going back on the WWE network and watching this particular episode. So maybe it's not the best idea that we get this guy all pimped out in his white tracksuit looking like he doesn't give a shit. You're absolutely right. Uh, I mean, I'm not absolutely right, but I'm just throwing a suggestion out there, you know, because I mean, you know, he, 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 him and the lady beside him just were, were all inspiring during this whole episode. To say the oh, least. You know, what, you know what was awe-inspiring? I recently watched an episode. I recently watched WCW Super Brawl 1991 with Fujinami and Flair. Oh. And they had a promo. Somebody cut a promo in the back, and then they did a cutaway to the audience before they went to the next match. And there was some fucking drunk guy in the front row that, like, took his hand and motioned for a blowjob, like, <laughs> towards his mouth. And it stayed on camera the entire fucking time. They didn't cut away to it or anything. Very so, cool. <laughs> yeah. Oh, nice. Jim Ross says, please call your cable company to order the WrestleWar pay-per-view. What a different time it was because you definitely did have to be a dedicated person to want to watch wrestling at the time. You had to call your cable company. You had to go buy or go pick up the box to watch the pay-per-view at this time. They didn't have boxes that just fucking sent it to you or, you know, it was a very different time. You have to be a fucking dedicated fan. Um, wow. Just crazy. Yeah, that was crazy. And then it got to the point where they they put something in the box where you actually had the box in your house all the time. And then all you had to do was call them and then you give them your information and then they would give you the they would like put the channel in your box for one night only and you would watch it. And then that was the end of it. Yeah. Yeah. You had it for like 72 hours. Something something. like that. Yeah. Yeah. Depending on your cable subscriber. But yeah, you're right. Definitely had to be dedicated because. I mean, even I forgot that you had to go back and get a box to watch some of this stuff. It was wild. Fucking wild. And uh, maybe they were maybe they were thinking too much at the time, like because, you know, I don't think 1992 sake of fans were like that invested of in a product, you know? 
Yeah. Um, so yeah, they, no, you're, they, you're they were exactly thinking. Right. They were thinking well ahead, and a lot of stuff that WWF and WWE has stolen, you know, or taken mm-hmm. the business ideas basically and just rehashed. Um, yep. As we'll learn as we go on this uh, weekend war, if you will. Back to the event center, I guess, if you if you want to call that the studio. Jim and Randy are talking about the jam. Somebody's going to have a fishing contest. Randy Owen's going to have a golfing contest. But I thought he said a golf contest, which I thought it was going to be a bunch of rednecks showing up in goth gear, which would be a crossover. Yeah. You thought Marvel was a crossover event. Get ready for Randy Owen's goth event. <laughs> they toss to Nikita going against Mr. Hughes. Wow. Uh, nice drop kick from Nikita to Mr. Hughes on the outside. Uh, Mr. Hughes has Nikita down for a test of strength, and he says, Ask him! Ask him! Maybe he transferred that to Jericho because they ended up working together in the next couple of years. That's right. Yeah. Nikita is supposed to face Vader tomorrow night at the Omni, we hear from Jim Ross. Wow. So that match came up pretty quick. Yeah. Um, I was kind of surprised. Like, I think, like, it's strange how, like, I, I kind of mentioned it earlier. Like, last week we talked about Sting, and Sting really was entrenched with the stuff of the Dangerous Alliance and still is. But on the side has some stuff going on with Vader. And then Nikita now, same thing. Like, I just found it I found it interesting, like, how spread out and all over the place some of these guys were, but they, like, had multiple issues going on with with multiple guys. It was something that was different for that time yes. period. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, you had talked usually about one it, guy. The sports aspect. Yeah. So, I thought that was rather interesting. But um, this match itself, uh, it was a solid, you know, Big man power move type of match. Um, it had like a slow methodical pace, but it was appropriate for these two guys' styles. Yes. Um, it, it didn't It didn't feel like it was too slow, but it didn't feel like it wasn't as believable if these guys were working a faster pace. Because sometimes big guys like to wow the crowd and ooh and ah, and they'll work a faster pace or they'll do something that's not you know expected of a big man and people won't buy into it. These guys, their match made sense. It worked. Yeah, and it, it it's... Definitely made me respect uh, Mr. Hughes a little bit more. It was like, man, the guy's working, especially with those fucking sunglasses strapped onto his head. Yeah, he was the first guy to wear sunglasses at night indoors. (laughs) Nikita ducks a big splash to the back while uh, he was hanging on the ropes. And uh, Mr. Curtis Hughes, that is, sits on the ropes so he gets caught. Uh, Fans in the front row were like, wow, how'd Nikita do that? Like, very, like surprised and then he hits mr hughes with that big sickle one two three nikita gets a victory here in 1992 he is yeah. pretty over at the time and it, it just stinks that he kind of like you know fizzled out and disappeared yeah i always dug nikita um i liked he was he was a badass. He was like one of the first badass wrestlers, you know, that like I thought of as a kid. I didn't think he was a badass as a kid, but looking back on it now, like he was one of the first like, you know, tough guys that like I I got behind as a kid. And yeah. uh he got he got a big pop when he came out to wrestle Curtis Hughes. Um they were really into him. And I think that's you know, uh 
it, it shows the um, the Southern fan base loyalty that they remembered him from his days in Jim Crockett in the NWA, um, and how much they you know enjoyed watching him and respecting you know his work. But yeah, um, I would have loved to have seen Nikita Koloff in WWF. You know, I really oh would have. I think he would. I think he would have been a good fit. You know, like against a Hogan. Um, you know, even against an Undertaker. You know what I mean? Um, they probably would have fucking turned him into like. They probably would have probably turned him into like. Oh, a, dude, a hokey... let me let me let me get him over. I'll get him over real quick. Ah, yeah. yeah. oh, he's not working yeah. out. Yeah, that one match yeah. just didn't do it for me. They'll probably they would probably would have turned him into like you know, like Ivan Drago, but like hokier and cornier. You know what I mean? Like they would have really mm-hmm. played up on that Russian stereotype. He probably would have been fucking Gorbachev's nephew for all we know. You know what and I mean? WWF. Yeah, just, yeah. yeah. They would have put like the big purple stain on his forehead, like Miguel oh. Gorbachev from Russia. <laughs> you know. And they would have made him come out dressed up like him. And, you know, he's a, yeah, he wouldn't have been Nikita Koloff anymore. He would have been yeah, like a Russian dignitary. Yeah, they would have they would have totally destroyed him. Oh, God. <laughs> Thanks, it, Dave. The makeup yeah. department every night. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, we have we have this controversial moment here, which I think is I think is incredible. This moment here, WCW Saturday night. Jim Ross and Randy Owen are in studio welcoming ravishing Rick Rude, who is the U.S. champion at the time. And he should have came out with the belt, in my opinion, but whatever. Yeah, that was weird. Jim still has a wire up his ass at this point. Um, It's just the mic cord, (laughs) but yeah. You talked about it. I'm growing a tail. (laughs) Son of a bitch, I'm growing a tail. I'm electronic, goddammit. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Randy says... Why did you leave the WWF and come to WCW? Rick says... He redeemed himself by asking that question. Everything else about his appearance on this show was fucking pointless. From his stupid fucking Redneckville Jam show that he's been promoting to, you know, everything else. He redeemed himself with that question right there. Because in 1992, that kind of shit didn't happen. You didn't talk about the competition. You didn't talk about what was going on in the other show. When he said that, I was like... Man, that's, that's I think why I like this Alabama is like, now. Yeah. yeah, that's why this is epic for me. It's like 1992, you do not see this or hear this uh, for the most part. Rick says, a long time I held the IC title. And that means I would be first in line for the WWF championship. And it never happened. The WWF was trying to hold me back and decided... I'm going to pack my bags and do bigger and better things. Wow. Wow. What a rip right there. I like that. Yeah. I like that a lot. Excuse me. Yeah, no, that was that was good. It was it was surprising too cuz you didn't hear that sort of thing um in any wrestling organization. So, it was it was it was, I was taken aback by it. Uh, the whole thing about, you know, the Intercontinental Champion being the number 1 contender to the WWF Championship um I don't ever remember that being the case as a kid growing up, but uh, I know WCW for a while used to have the, the U.S. US champion yeah. as the number one contender for the heavyweight title. So that was um, still in effect at this time. Uh, yes, yeah, that is correct. So I thought that that was rather interesting um, that he kind of you know brought that up because I never remembered like the IC champ always being the number one contender if you held the belt in the WWF, but 
I think that was his way of trying to like say that like you know I should have been the champion and then bringing up the fact that he won the IC title and wore it for a while. Maybe that was just his way of of, of addressing you know the fact that he should have been in line for an opportunity at the title. Yeah, we'll see how his title ventures um, kind of pan out for WCW in this year. Um, then they talk about the extra marital, not Marshall. Uh, I almost spelled it <laughs> extra Marshall affair, <clears throat> which would be suiting for Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. They talk about that issue between Ricky Steamboat and Medusa. Rick Rude tells Medusa to come on down. Come on down, Ducey. And Medusa starts talking, but a fan asks how she can be the first lady instead of Medusa. And Rick says, <laughs> well, if you put that body into motion, we can work something out. And then <laughs> yeah, that was good. another woman comes up and says, I have, I have a statement. It's not a question. I'm having an affair with Ricky Steamboat. And then another lady next to her says, that's not true. I've been with Ricky Steamboat. And they start arguing back and forth. And the first lady says, you slut. And she calls her a slut again. It gets beeped twice. Then the yep. first chick that asked the first question to Rick Rude about being the first lady of WCW says, no, no, that's wrong. I've been sleeping with Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. She says, I've been sleeping with him. Holy shit. That's more than just saying I'm having an affair. Uh, Doug Dillinger carries away this one woman that approaches the stage uh, that's yelling, saying that she had an affair with Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Oh, my God. What a moment here. Yeah, that was pretty cool. It was, uh, it was definitely um, definitely different for this time period. You didn't hear that terminology and that stuff. Um, and I don't think even if I, at that age as a kid, I would have understood um, yeah. all those terms myself. You know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, definitely, uh, you go back and you watch it. You're going to, you're going to be quite surprised as to what you're going to see during that time frame. It's common talk now, but back then in 92, it, that was considered taboo. Yes. And Rick Root says, wow, I can't believe it. Mrs. Steam, Mrs. Steamboat. I'm sorry. Just <laughs> yeah. a real jerk. Love it. Love it though. <clears throat> So we go to a commercial, back from a commercial, and Randy Owen talks about uh, Las Vegas and not knowing about Vinny Vegas as, at all, but this is hilarious. We have Vinny Vegas, who is... Kevin Nash. Yes, Kevin Nash. And he's talking about, you see this toilet bowl size hand that I got here? And just like, he's talking like a Bambino. I don't know. I'm going to smack the two years upside your head <laughs> with this toilet bowl lid hand right over here. <laughs> it is awesome. I'm going to have to post that on the uh, Facebook as well. But uh, <laughs> he uses a neck-breaking hold on his opponent, and his opponent starts to tap, and the ref has to break it up physically. I've never seen something like this in a match where Randy Anderson had to, like, break up the hold. Like, why does he do shit like that? Um, Randy Anderson, everybody, the referee who will, will somersault over the guys who had an epic finish, finish just to count the shoulders a little better, takes away from the whole, you know, I don't know, just my complaints with Pee Wee Randy Anderson. I love me some Pee Wee Anderson. I thought he was great. You liked him cartwheeling over everybody and shit like that. <laughs> I like the fact that like he was so... 
He was so attentive. As he reminded yeah. me a lot of Tommy Young, where Tommy yeah. Young would like slide under the bottom rope and still make the count from on the floor. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, I think sometimes guy, like, it was ridiculous, though, what Randy would do. It was just unnecessary. But teach his own, I guess. You know, everyone's <laughs> got an opinion. You know, I I, yeah. I I respectfully disagree with you, my friend. But you know, we'll we'll, okay. we'll leave it at that. Otherwise, I'll take this toilet-sized ball hand <laughs> and smack you right over the side of your heads. The toy is. <laughs> Vinny hits a snake eyes and a one, two, three. Uh, Vinny Vegas wins here. A lot of potential for this guy, eh? Yeah. Yeah, you know, maybe, you know, if uh, you know, if I lose these suspenders, you know, I might do something with myself in my career. If I quit rolling the dice, you know, who knows? <laughs> Things might come out too sweet, you know? <laughs> we go to Eric Bischoff with WCW Magazine. Last Sunday night when Rick Rude and uh, Scott beat down, I'm sorry, Last Sunday night, Rick Steiner and Scott Steiner beat Arn Anderson and Bobby Eaton in a steel cage match and won the WCW Tag Team Championships. Wow. Um, we got a lot of, like, um, photos here. Steiner's win. Um, this is going to have an impact on Wrestle War 1992 because going against Fujinami and Izuka is going to be the Steiners and Scott Steiner has an epic promo before all the math stuff. He's talking about, see, Fujinami and Azuka is like a stepping stone. And he's talking about trying to get, you know, to 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 regain the IWGP tag team titles. But uh, it's epic Steiner stuff here. And Eric runs down the tag team tournament for the Crockett Cup that's going on in a couple weeks, like we talked about in past episodes. Uh, some good stuff that'll be coming up, I guess. A lot of moving story parts and uh, storylines. Yeah, it was um, the the magazine was very similar to the the magazine update was very similar to the event center and the WWF magazine update. But um, I liked the uh, I liked how you know it, it, it at least it's 2019 now and you can have access to anything whether it be photos or or uh, video but i liked how bischoff had kind of said in that segment um you know we don't have any video footage but there's photos courtesy of dennis brent from the wcw magazine and just mm-hmm. it had a very um like breaking news kind of vibe to it you know exclusive. what i mean like yeah very exclusive. yeah exactly i thought that was pretty cool and i imagine that at, you know at, at Nine years old, ten years, yeah, probably about nine years old, I probably would have been like, ooh, you know, like, wow, that's cool. Like, I missed out on that. You know what I mean? Like, so it it was done very well. Mm -hmm. Um, Then we go to commercial and back from the commercial. Randy Owen talks about the new Alabama album coming out called American Pride. Oh, hell yeah, man. Nobody fucking cares. Oh, fuck yeah, man. That's a good album, though. All right. Nobody cares. <laughs> Jim Ross says, speaking of a real American, here's the diamond stud. Really? Huh? What? How does that mix? I don't know. Okay. It's the diamond stud who is. Hey, yo. Chicano. Say hello. Survey. To the bad guy. We're going to do a little poll here. Yeah. Find hey, out who the know, diamond stud is. Yeah. 
Chico. I think Ryan. another acquired guy from the fallen off AWA out of the uh, late 80s, early 90s era, you know? You might be correct. Um, the AWA ended in what, 90, 91? Mm-hmm. Okay. You and might be he, correct. He had, worked, he had worked a few shots with WCW around this time, and I think uh, he was just trying to get, you know, he was traveling around the territories. This was the last yeah, of the territory. He, he debuted. Days. Yeah, he debuted at Super Bowl ninety one as a part of the Diamond Mind. It, it, DDP introduced him. Yes, um, as the you know as the Diamond Stud. He just came out. He didn't wrestle a match, but it was like a, a it was like a a talk show kind of segment. The Diamond mm-hmm. Mind. Um, and Talking that was when he debuted. The as, there you go. Look at that. Only on kicking out a two. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> Diamond Stud here, Scott Hall is wearing black and red. With tights that say "Stud Time" in red, wow! This is very like NWO 1992. <laughs> um, he has his "That's It" like patented move where he like crosses his arm and says "That's It" like signaling for the razor's edge. But they don't like have the a finish is coming. Yeah, they don't have a fucking name for this move yet. But he hits it on him. More boy, what a maneuver! One, two, three. All the elements are there for Scott Hall Razor, if you will. Um, just amazing stuff here uh, for seeing him as an enhancement guy at the time. You could tell he was a star. Yeah, he was. He was definitely a big deal. Um, and uh, you know, WCW missed the boat on him early on, but uh, you know, it was you know one man's trash is another man's treasure, so to speak. And he became the treasure of the WWF not too long after this. Yep. I want to say, like, a few months later, he yeah. debuted for them. Like, it's, July or August, I want to say, of 92. It's so crazy we get this, like, transition period of 1992 where uh, Vinny Vegas and the Diamond Stud are going to be transitioned out and into um, WWF and Big Josh as well into Doink. Um, WWF acquiring a lot of talent still. <laughs> Cherry picking. Um, that's what they do. Yes. Well, I mean, I, I wouldn't say cherry picking, so to speak, but like they were at that time, they were, they were trying to build for the future. They were going through a transition yeah. and they were looking for guys that, you know, weren't necessarily established so much, um, and try to make them into their own, you know, big Josh, he was going to be repackaged into Doink. So, like, if you were a really diehard, hardcore fan like myself, you probably wouldn't be able to connect the dots. But whatever. Diamond Stud ended up becoming Razor Ramon. You know what I mean? Like, he he didn't do much as the Diamond Stud. So, let's see what they could do with him as Razor Ramon. Mm-hmm. I mean, I wouldn't say, I mean, I, I would say cherry-picked so much as they were starting their building blocks towards their future with the next couple of years. And some of those picks were okay. And some of them were really good and, and did well for them. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'll agree. I, I stand corrected. Um, Jim Ross asks about JT Southern playing the guitar to Randy Owen. Randy Owen's like, who the fuck is JT Southern? What the fuck? I, I need to get out of this WCW shit. Are we going to watch him play on the guitar or are we going to, you know. It's Brad Armstrong against Scotty Flamingo with JT Southern in his corner. A fan in the front row 
That's our guy in the white. He's still impressed. This is not a bad match, though. It's very fast-paced. It's uh, Scotty doing a cross-body over the top rope to the outside, and then he dances and teases his hair. This is... Scotty Flamingo is such a contrast from Raven. Like, what in the hell? Like, I love it, so, you know? So you thought this match was fast-paced? At the beginning. That's interesting. At the beginning. Okay. Because I felt like this match was slow. Well, and, I, I was I, my next notes okay. is I eat my own words as a chin lock <laughs> is applied. Sorry, yeah. sorry, I, I beat you to the punch. I apologize. No, it's all good. You know yeah, they, he does that chin you know lock, and it's like, what the fuck? Yeah, and then they became like light heavyweights. They went from light heavyweights to you know, I would say super super heavyweights, but they went from like you know slow motion. Yeah, you know what I, I mean? think they like, were gas. Yeah, I don't know. But what I found interesting, and I don't know if you caught this, but when JR was describing, you know, the, the, the light heavyweight division in WCW, that he said the weight requirements were um, you couldn't weigh more than 236 pounds. Whoa. Which I found very interesting. Wow, that's fucking uh, yeah. heavy. Now, I don't know. Here's the thing, okay? I kind of had this conversation once with, uh, with, with Shane Helms. About because he's a big boxing fan and boxing has different weight classes: cruiserweight, featherweight, flyweight, lightweight. MMA has kind of got the same thing: bantamweight stuff like that. And so, when two hundred five live came out in WWE and they called it the cruiserweight division, he kind of he said something on social media once, and him and I kind of went back and forth a little bit, and I was trying to get an understanding of what he meant by it, but apparently. Light heavyweight and cruiserweight, even though in wrestling you kind of mesh them together and they're they're technically one and the same, at least in wrestling terms, in other sports like boxing and MMA, they're completely separate weight classes. Mm. You know what I mean? So when they said light heavyweight, 236 pounds, I don't know if that's under boxing standards or if that's under MMA standards or whatever the case is, but I just found that... I found that number to be rather high for a light heavyweight division in pro wrestling. Because now, like, at WCW, it was, what, 220 pounds and under? And then WWF, it's like, yeah, 220, 225. WWE is like 205 with with their cruiserweight division now. So 236, that's a heavy guy. That's like... 236 that's like that's like Steve Austin. Like Steve Austin yeah. was like 242 pounds, you know, as a heavyweight, you know? Like it, it's, it, the number just kind of like jumped out at me. I was like, "Wow, that's awfully high." But um yeah, you're right. This match fucking sucked hind teeth when it came to the 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 the, the slow pace. I was like Brad Armstrong very underrated guy and Scotty Flamingo we, he would turn out to be Raven. Um a talent in itself, but um, yeah, this match wasn't anything to write home about. And it didn't really, in my opinion, highlight the light heavyweight division at that time for WCW. The Tom no. Zink match at the beginning of the show did Definitely. better than this match. Yes, that did. Uh, we get an arm dragon and sunset flip, a little combination for lightweight stuff. Then Scotty starts to get aggressive and he hammers Brad into the guardrail, little shades of ECW right here. Then we get a big knee lift. And a huge top rope body cross from Brad Armstrong. And then he goes to the corner and does another one. And then a drop kick to Flamingo to the outside. And he goes to suplex Scotty Flamingo in to the ring from the outside on the apron. And JT Southern holds 
Brad Armstrong's leg as he trips him. Flamingo falls on top of Brad Armstrong. One, two, three. Flamingo gets the victory. Mm. Yeah. Big whoop. <laughs> Next. Then we go to a studio with fans in it, and it's Jim and Randy. Hey, they're at a different place. No, it's the same place, but yeah. I was complaining earlier why it seemed like they were, yeah, they were cutting different stuff, but... We recap the first encounter of Barry and Austin from two weeks ago in their first two out of three falls match where Barry Wyndham picked up the one fall and then we dwindled out of TV time for about a nine-minute match, which made no sense to even have the match at the time. But, you know, whatever. I'm just being a being a fan. <laughs> so these editions of WCW that we've covered last week and this week have been two hour editions, at least an hour and 30 minutes of uh, programming that we have watched. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm wondering, I guess they're going through the trying to figure out what their time is going to be on the Superstation. I don't know. Yeah, it's uh, rather strange. There was no like special reason as to why they went two hours, but yeah, I don't know. I guess that could be, or maybe, maybe the the network wanted to see how well they were going to do. Yeah, from ninety minutes to two hours, you know, could, who knows? Could be a good point too. Yeah, um, Randy Owens here introduces Rhubarb Jones, who they went to high school together with. Rhubarb Jones is the ring announcer for WCW at the time, and you can't hear a word that he says because the music is drowned out by the WWE network. It hurt my ears. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty loud. Uh, Barry Windham comes out first and finally my ears stop bleeding then Steve Austin is out with Paulie Dangerously and we get bowl cut Steve Austin here he cut his hair everybody he's getting closer and closer yeah creeping up with that haircut I actually like this version of it better than the, the long hair yeah. the long blonde hair yeah. wasn't a big fan of long blonde hair and I like wrestlers with long hair but Steve Austin just didn't look good with long hair, in my opinion. No, no, he didn't at all. Um, that 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 photo that you posted on Retromania page of the the WCW magazine covers of Sting Squadron and the Dangerous Alliance. Steve Austin looks bloated as hell and weird with that long <laughs> hair. Yeah, it's just weird. Yes, yes, you are correct. Um, <clears throat> this match though is fucking awesome. Technical execution. 100% in this match. Um, this is a great TV match. I can't I can't say anything more about like the expertise of it. I'm going to run down the little tidbits that were great in the match. Barry Windham literally steps over Steve Austin and like lifts his leg up for like running the ropes. Um it, he he's just that tall. He didn't have to jump, you know. He just lifted his yep. leg up. That was so cool. I like that spot. But Randy Owen is on commentary, and he's just like, oh, man. Uh. Oh, man. The whole time. That's it. That's all he says. <laughs> Good addition. Be better than Jason Hervey, I will say. Um, Barry, yeah. Barry gives Austin a huge big boot in the clothesline. One, two, no. Then he tries that suplex with a flip over that he got a pinfall in the last match on. One, two, no. Ah, Barry gets busted open in the mouth. Wow. Somehow Austin locks a head scissors submission on his head, which is different for Austin at the time. We didn't see a lot of uh, submission stuff in the WWF era, but certainly in this time, WCW time, 
Austin is bringing out some submission holds. Yeah, he was a little more technically sound in this era, probably just due to the fact that like injuries weren't as um, severe. Plus, goddamn, I'm wrestling Rick Flair's uh, Rick Flair's company. Yeah, I'm gonna be the next Rick Flair. Yeah, yeah. Barry is bleeding from the mouth pretty bad in this match, but uh, they they're still continuing. Uh, he goes for that superplex onto Austin from the top rope. He hits it one, two, three. He gets the first fall. Randy Owen goes, uh. "That's about all he has to say about that." <laughs> yeah. We go to a commercial and come back for the second fall. Austin elbows Barry over the top rope, and he's not DQ'd for this. This is the time where. Uh, if an action spot allows it and a guy goes over the top rope, it won't be DQ'd. But, you know, Bill Watts is very strict about that over-the-top rope stuff. Um, Austin is in control for the next bit of the match, beating down Barry Windham. He even puts Barry Windham in a camel clutch submission lock. Wow. Very different for Austin at this time. Then he hits his stun gun out of nowhere, which it's not the stun gun that we know of from Carl Anderson or uh, Tomatongo, where you are doing the ace crusher, which is like the Randy Orton um, out of nowhere. RKO. RKO yeah, yeah. Which is originally the ace crusher. But uh, so this is a backdrop onto the ropes, like, uh, like cutting the guy's throat on the ropes. And that was Steve Austin's finisher called a stun gun. Yeah. I thought it was a solid finisher for him at the time with the stunning Steve Austin, you know, sure, the nickname. Sure. And, you know, but it's it, just it, interesting, it, the, the name and the mix of the move, you know? It's the neck move, it's the stunner, it's another, like, you know, it's like, I don't know. It all ties in. You know, I get what you're saying. I, no, I, I, I totally get what you're saying. Steve Austin wins with this move, though. One, two, three, he gets the second fall. So we go to a commercial and we come back for the last fall. It's a fall piece to to each of these guys. The last fall wins. Uh, unless TV time runs out. Please don't fucking do that again. Uh, big jumping yeah, right. elbow. <laughs> we get a big jumping elbow from Austin. One, two, no onto Barry Windham. Then we get a reverse chin lock from Austin using the ropes for leverage here. This is some good stuff here. Then a big back elbow from Austin. One, two, Near fall. Wow. Jim says, we've had many near falls in this match. And yes, this is what makes a wrestling match. Not only that it's a two out of three falls match, which I think should be brought back in WWF standards or WWE standards. Um, just to highlight the anticipate, the importance of the match is to win. Doesn't matter how you win. Doesn't matter if you hit your combos of moves. If you catch that guy in one, two, three, that's it. So your match should have a lot of pinfalls if you want to fucking win that match. Am I not right? No, I mean, you, you make a good point there. You know, I, the only thing I would say is that, um, I feel like the two out of three falls concept in 1992 was a little overdone. It didn't need to happen every week or you had to have the right guys to do it. Um, could it have was, been like a was, monthly I mean, thing. I, yeah, you know, like like the Arn Anderson Big Josh two out of three falls match. Like I fucking couldn't stand it. Just didn't like it. You know what I mean? And I'm a huge mark for Arn Anderson. But this one here was more exciting because of the two guys involved. Um, or you or you save you know the two out of three falls gimmick for 
just the TV title. You know what I mean? To really differentiate the television title. Maybe two out of three falls is just designed for one championship, like the TV title or the U.S. title or whatever. But not all the time. And I think if WWE did that now, I don't know. Okay, let's say the Intercontinental Championship on a Monday Night Um, Raw once, once a month. Um, I think I think it would if you're going to do something like that, you would probably have to do it with a with a, a championship that needs a little bit more of an identity, like the U.S. title, okay. or even one of the or even one of the men's tag hey, team. Even titles, that you know? U.S. title would be a tie-in for WCW, you know. Yes, so. correct, absolutely correct, because they still carry the WWE U.S. title still carries the lineage of the WCW and NWA United States titles, which is actually quite ironic. Um, that they still, you know, recognize the lineage from that championship. It goes all the way back to that. So, um, yeah, if WWE were to do that, I'd put it on a championship that kind of needs a little more establishing, like that U.S. title or even one of the men's tag titles. Yeah, why not a two out of three falls match between Nakamura and um, uh, Rusev for yeah for SmackDown like months ago? We could have had that saving yeah. the program. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. No, I like it. I like it. Uh, so, yeah, that just goes to show, like, this is a test of stamina and conditioning in this match. Like, that's what this two out of three falls, the TV title, that's what that is. You Every time you defend that title, or every time you're on TV, you're defending that title. It's a great title to have. Yep. Um, For sure. Absolutely. The referee gets hit in this match with uh, with a flying boot after somebody tries to slam somebody. Steve Austin grabs the belt from Pauly Dangerously. That's the NWA TV championship at the time. He swings to hit Barry Windham. Barry Windham ducks and then grabs Steve from the waist, from behind, pushes him into the rope, and O'Connor rolls him back up. One, two, three. New champion. Holy shit. Uh, Austin just beats Barry with the belt as the bell is ringing and uh, him and Paul E. Dangerously leave with the TV title and skirt it out of there. But we have a new TV champion, Barry Windham, everybody. Definitely a better match than the last time they wrestled. Um, Oh, definitely more time and, you know. Yeah, with more time too, obviously that helped. Um, I do think that... um, some in 2019 today, some will argue, oh, well, Barry Windham won the belt. Why did you have to get Austin to, you know, to attack him after the match and get the heat? But at the same time, it's leading to war games. Were, yeah, oh. exactly. It's leading to war games. So like Windham got the belt, but Austin, you know, lived to fight another day and then they're going to really settle it in war games. So like that didn't bother me so much. But I looked at it. I was like in 2019, people would argue the shit out of that. Yeah. Um, I. I love this. This was great. Um, next week, we get Scotty Flamingo and Johnny B. Bad. Great. And we get a promo from Scotty Flamingo, which I posted on the Retromania Facebook page. And Johnny B. Bad. What a time for 1992. It's two white guys trying to be different spectrums of black folks. So uh... I thought, <laughs> I, honestly, I swear to you, I thought that, you know, Scotty Flamingo was channeling his best version of Michael Rappaport, the actor. <laughs> like, I was like, what the hell? Like, I didn't Boy! remember Scotty Flamingo. Yeah, like, oh my God. I was like, 
wow, that's fucking awful. And then you got Johnny B. Bad on the other side, like, holy cow. Like, it was just, oh, brutal. Yeah. I was like, I'm not looking forward to that match just based on those promos alone. God. Like, that's when, back in 1992, for those two guys, that's when you could have used 40 fucking television writers like they do now to script a better promo than the two of them. Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, that was the end there, and that is the end of our episode. So, Dave, I usually let you go first. I'm going to pop off first this time. Go for it, man. I'm going with Saturday night on this one. Uh, just for that two out of three falls match, um, the stuff that we get involving um, Vinny Vegas and the Diamond Stud there. Also, the epic stuff with Ravishing Rick Rude and the women coming up there. Um, just uh, a, an all-around better episode and easier to watch even though it was longer. Um, yeah, just flew by faster for me rather than the WWF superstars. What are your thoughts? Um, I'm going to go three in a row th- this week and go with Saturday night. Um, I, the main event was really good. I like the segment with Rick Rude. The, the show is pretty much centered around the Dangerous Alliance and the War Games and the Wrestle War uh, pay-per-view. Um, you know, I just thought it was a better show overall. Uh, there were some clunkers that, you know, I could have done without. But for the most part, like, I was more interested in that one based on those couple of notable mentions I just made earlier. As, as Superstars wasn't terrible, but I felt like, and, I, and we'll, we'll see this as we go along, um... I felt like they were just kind of in a holding pattern a little bit because it wasn't too far removed from WrestleMania, and WCW was having a pay-per-view coming up, whereas WWF just got done with one. Their next one is until SummerSlam in 92, so they're really just kind of, you know... And who knows? Yeah, Yeah, (laughs) exactly. But yeah. Seriously, that was um, the state of WWF at the time. Not to cut you off, but who knows? Like... Is Hogan sticking around? Can we yep. push Macho again as a guy? Um, yep. Is Sid going to be here? Is Warrior sticking around? Uh, like, it's such a questionable time. And then, like you said, WCW is gearing up for phase two, if you will. They're they're moving yeah. forward without Ric yeah. Flair, you know, without the guys. Yep, exactly. So yeah, I just thought overall it was a better it was a it was a better told story um, on the WCW show and definitely a lot more interesting. Um, I think what hurt the Superstar show is some of the enhancement matches. Um, Brett's match was so quick; they had that side by side thing. Yes, you're you've been kind of leaning towards him and Shawn Michaels in the last few weeks, but I, I just felt like each story they were trying to tell. With the exception of the Mountie and Sergeant Slaughter, each story they were trying to tell, I think, needed just a little bit more. Like, Mountie Slaughter, they kind of progressed nicely. You kind of got some sort of, I wouldn't say a payoff, but, like, there's some more substance to that story. Even the Papa Shango thing where he cursed the Ultimate Warrior. Like, that, there was a little more substance there. But, like, everything else was, like, kind of a rehash of what they've been talking about for the past few weeks. LOD and Beverly Brothers, um... You know, the Nasty Boys and their their issues, Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels, just like, I just felt like it was very stagnant, slower, and it was a shorter show, so. Saturday night for the win. Yes, yes indeed, Saturday night for the win. Dave, as always, 
Thanks for joining me on the Magic School Bus of Professional Wrestling Podcast. I had a good time with you this week. Um, yeah, thank you, man. I, I, I love it, man. Saturdays are for wrestling. Yeah, you ready for next week? What's up with next week? Do you know anything? Or am I- yeah, next week, well, unfortunately, we're going to be treated to Scotty Flamingo and Boy <laughs> and Johnny B. Bad. Um, because it's going to be a blessing to teach him a lesson. Oh, um, but on the other side, on uh, WWF Superstars, I think Superstars has a chance of pulling out a victory here on Marking Out the Day's Weekend Warrior. Uh-oh. Um, as this is the episode where the effects of the Papa Shango curse rear its ugly head in the Ultimate Warrior match against one of the nasty boys and I'll just leave it at that mm. you'll have to stay tuned to watch that on the WWE Network and to get our review of it next week right here on Marking Out the Days Weekend Warriors definitely I, I remember that as a kid um, just a memorable moment you will never forget it uh, hang in there and stick around and We'll be with you guys next Saturday morning. That's right. Every Saturday morning here, marking out the day's weekend warriors edition. Dave, catch you on kicking out of two and Retromania pro wrestling podcast network. As always, um, looking forward to anything this month. As far as wrestling goes, current time. Um, well, I'm going to be going to money in the bank on the 19th. Yeah, it's going to be from my hometown in Hartford. Um, so that's going to be a lot of fun. We're actually, uh, I'm kicking out at two. We do a special watch party of the 2004 WWE Vengeance pay-per-view. It was the last time WWE held a pay-per-view in Hartford um, 15 years ago. So uh, I was at that event, which was pretty cool. So we're going to do a special watch party of that coming up in a few weeks. I'm kicking out at two. That should be a lot of fun. I might throw a bonus episode on kicking out at two of um, a Money in the Bank ladder match from 2014, the year that Seth Rollins won the Money in the Bank contract. Uh, That was from Money in the Bank in Boston. I was at that Money in the Bank event as well. Um, I'm thinking about doing that on kicking out at two, so be on the lookout for all of that over at kicking out at two. But yeah, I'm looking forward to going to Money in the Bank. I think it's going to be a lot of fun, and uh, my brother Daryl's going to go with me, and my buddy Dennis, who uh, sometimes co-hosts on the show. We're gonna have a we're gonna have a good time. It's going to be a lot of fun. Very cool. I um, I expect a review. Yes, you will. You will get one immediately following. Yeah, you, you bet. Uh, kicking you, out you at two. Kicking out at two review. Um, yeah, there you go. Look at that. There we go. So, guys, enjoy that. Um, I am looking forward to the rest of this month, uh, the official launch of Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. It's official. Everything's going down. Gaijin Wrestling Radio. All is dead. Kicking out of two. Everything. The back archive. Uh, Just stay locked in to our new account. And if you are on the old account, you will get an update to direct you to the new feed. Um that's about it folks so happy wrestling everybody enjoy your week and we will catch you next week